Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. This is episode 76. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host. I'm also the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute, Family Counseling and Recovery in Long Beach, California. If you or anyone you know is struggling with any of life's challenges, please reach out to us. You can find more information about us at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. Also, if you're enjoying this podcast and you know of anyone that might benefit from listening, please share it with them. You can also rate and review us in iTunes. That really does help get us a lot of exposure, and I really appreciate it. Also, think about joining our Facebook group. You can go to Facebook and just type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join. All right, today's guest is Greg Champion, and he is going to talk about hitting rock bottom. We have a great conversation about what that means and how that can be the crossroads that we sit at when we are looking to change our life from a life of addiction to a life of recovery. It's a great conversation. One of the things that we did is as we were kind of talking about it, you know, we got into the conversation about rock bottom, what it means to other people and how, you know, it can mean different things in different ways to different people. And we're having a great conversation about it. And we wrapped up the episode. And then as we're wrapping up and we're getting to close everything down, Greg starts talking about his own recovery story and his own rock bottom. And I'm like, wait a minute, we didn't talk about that in the episode. We got to record this. So we went back and recorded it and I edited it into this episode so you could listen to it. I think it's a great story. I think you're going to really enjoy it. I think it has a lot of useful information and it's just great to hear that. So let's go ahead and start the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Greg Champion, and he is going to talk about rock bottom. So Greg, you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, Dwayne. Thank you for having me on the, your podcast. My name is Greg Champion. I am a co-founder of Startup Recovery here in the Pacific Palisades, a transformational residence that supports people through career, passion, and other entities that are what we call the recovery playbook. And a little bit about me is uh, in November, I will be uh, 25 years sober. Uh, I got sober 
in my mid-20s. I hit my rock bottom, which obviously we can talk a little bit about when we get there. But, you know, the one thing people, how'd you get 25 years? How do you get 25 years? And here's what I always say. I remained willing to be willing. And what I mean by that is in the first year, I did everything old school AA, went to meetings, did the steps, got a sponsor, got commitments, did 90 and 90. And then as I got to the fifth year or the 10th year or the 15th year, I began adding uh, breath work. I began adding sound bath. I began adding Al-Anon to my playbook. Whenever I got distressed in my disease, someone would always show up with a tool for me to um, try out. And so that has been my secret. My drug of choice was alcohol. I would drink and then anything suggested to me after that, I would then do. But I never did those things without alcohol being in my system first. And Duane, I'll simply say this, in my experience, pain, childhood trauma, some sort of drama happened to me and many of us to which I didn't want to tell anybody or could not tell anybody. And so I found a solution with drugs and alcohol to quiet those secrets. And you know as well as I do, there's an old saying, you're only as sick as your secrets. And so for me, and I'll wrap up right here is, you know, my first sponsor said to me, Greg plus drugs and alcohol equal jail. And from the age 22 to 24, I went to jail eight times. This is a college educated kid who went to private schools from a nice middle-class neighborhood, you know, and it was Greg plus drugs and alcohol equal jail. And here's what he says to me. Why don't you try taking drugs and alcohol out of the equation and see how many times you go to jail? And so what I can tell you with nearly 25 years of sobriety, Dwayne, how many times have I been to jail? Right. I bet. Yeah, zero. You see? And so whatever people's jail is, whether it's a bad relationship or bad money problems or whatever, you know, take drugs and alcohol out of the equation and I can make you the same promise. Your jail will not happen. You know, so that's kind of my overview. I will say how I got in this business is um, four years ago, I was speaking at an AA meeting and I was telling my experience, strength and hope. And I was saying, Hey, I got sober in my twenties. I began a business in my thirties. I mentored a lot of 20 somethings. I was able to teach entrepreneurship at USC. I'm a father. I'm a husband. You know, and also this woman comes up to me and goes, Hey, you would make a great group facilitator. And I went to my phone and I'm like, group facilitator. I had no idea what a group facilitator was. And so I began being a group facilitator at her rehab up in Malibu. And in a short amount of time, I began going from one group to six groups. In the second year, I had a private practice in which I was doing recovery coaching with people in their first, third, fifth, 10th year, you know, people that were stuck. Right, right. Yeah. And then two years ago, my partner, Jeffrey Van and I started Startup Recovery here in the Palisades and we have two homes. And so for me, really, and again, I think you're a big proponent of manifesting, put stuff out there. And so I told my wife. It sounds like what you were saying, just to kind of go back a little bit, you know, you said the first part is your willingness to be willing, right? That's a key. You have to really just say, hey, I'll do anything, right? And then though, you know, what I also noticed is you have that continuous mindset of that continuous journey going forward, always looking, always working on your healing. Yeah, always. And growth. Pain is going to show up on your doorstep. And I'll give you an example. I dealt with a mother who died of Alzheimer's. Okay. I did that sober. I had a sister commit suicide three years ago. I did that sober. I've been divorced. I did that sober. And so these are life problems that are painful. And I get through them through 
sobriety, but also the whole recovery network. You know, one thing that has served me well is I have three wise women and three wise men in Alcoholics Anonymous. And when I have problems in that sort of area, I go to them. And what's great about our tribe, Dwayne, is that all three women will give you the same advice. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and all three men will give you the same advice. They're all tuned, you know? Right. So I would say like in recovery, you know, you have to live a life of feedback from others, trustworthy others. Otherwise, you know, with addiction and addiction mindset and trauma, we don't make the best decision makers all the time. We need other eyes on us saying, hey, maybe that's not the best idea or yeah, that's a good idea or just someone to listen and move through it. We need a counseled life because on our own, yeah. our self-will and our ego will show up and when pride and ego show up, we do not make good decisions. And it's even sober too. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we need that. Definitely. So let's kind of, I mean, we had talked earlier about talking about rock bottom. So I have been really interested in talking to you about that. And I think the listeners out there of the addicted mind, you know, I think this would be a good topic for them to understand what is rock bottom. You know, when we say that and someone hasn't heard that, what does that mean? Well, for rock bottom, for me, again, we're working with a ton of people, whether it's sponsees or clients or even family members. It's to a point to which they have reached their fetal position. You know, they have drawn the drapes. They're in the fetal position. They're watching Jerry Springer, you know. And what I mean by that, that could be around a divorce. That could be around childhood trauma. That could be around a crack addiction or, or being a guy who's a butterfly, right? Where, again, it's the first step. I'm powerless over blank and my life has become unmanageable. You know, that's really the tone for rock bottom is doing things that you said you would never do. Right. Think about that. I would never hang out with people like that and suddenly you're hanging out with people like that. I would never stick a needle on my arm and suddenly you're sticking a needle on your arm. You know, when you do the I nevers and those I nevers become the constant, you are in your rock bottom. Right. And you're alone. Yeah. Think about it. Nobody's hanging out with you when you're at your rock bottom. Right. You're alone. You're betraying yourself. You're at that moment of like, yeah, what am I doing? This is the worst it could be. But I would also say sometimes that rock bottom doesn't always work for everybody. Listen, we have people who are high-functioning alcoholics, but they don't know how bad their high-functioning drinking or using has said, the kids don't come home for Christmas. You know, the wife is in the other room down the hall, you know, and they just think because they got the big house and a nice car out front that they don't have a rock bottom. That's a version of rock bottom. Right. You know, so like as helping professionals, if we're helping professionals, one of the things I kind of think about when I'm working with individuals who are struggling with some kind of addiction is helping them if they haven't reached that point of where, where you were saying that willingness, right, that like, okay, I'm ready to do everything, helping them in a way, get to that mental rock bottom. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, this is it. Look at your life. Like, you got to do something. You know, what I think is one of the cool things about approaching somebody when they're at their rock bottom is, so say I have a 19-year-old who's flunked out of college. The parents are in shame, you know, around, hey, you're a failure to kid. The kid clearly has compare and despair. You know, we live in this Instagram world where they go on and, you know, I'm not as big as this or I'm not, you know, hanging out at the Hamptons. And, and so what I can say around this 19-year-old is this, here's where I think you and me have an advantage. Parents can't go and help the kid. 
because the kid hears this, go to your room, you're grounded. Take old stuff from when they were 13, 14, 15 years old, right? But someone like you and me can go in there and be the big brother or be the fun uncle and deliver the same message saying, hey, I'm almost a complete stranger to you, but having been in your same shoes, this is where my bottom is. You compare your bottom to their bottom. They say, look, let's review. I always say, play the tape out. If you continue to do the same actions, whether it's harming yourself, cutting yourself, or hanging out with lower companions, the same result and worse is going to happen. So a big proponent, the words I play the tape out. And what that happens is it gives the person a choice, what you talked about, it gives them a choice to sit in it, pause, you know that great AA pause, pause, and then they can decide, do I want to continue down that path for more pain or do I want to start something new? And if so, I'm supported by family and friends to start something new. And that's the why in the road. So actually being able to get them to slow down enough, if you can be that person to them, like I understand, you know, family members might not be able to do that because there's just too much shame, too much family dynamics, but someone else comes in like you who can say, can kind of sit down with them at the why and go, let's really look at this two paths here. And it sounds almost very compassionately being able to say, look, you can go this road. No one's going to stop you. But if you play it all the way out, this, these are the consequences you're going to face. And if you go this road, look at what you can achieve, your human potential, your amazingness. And part of that road you just mentioned, the amazingness road, is that if you're putting drugs and alcohol on the sidelines, we have to fill it with joy, passion. Yeah. And so part of our tagline at Startup Recovery is shifting addiction to passion. You know, reclaiming some of that joy from their childhood finding out what vocation they want to be part of, what career. Right. And then suddenly you have them you know, going, to, becoming addicted to that new life. You know, one day at a time. It doesn't happen overnight. There's a great term we both know, slow variety, you know? Yep. And I've used slow variety in my marriage. I've used slow variety in my finances. I've used slow variety, obviously, in my sobriety. That word slow variety is key. Like, it's not going to happen overnight. But you know, as a newcomer, I want it like this. I want it like this. Yeah. You know? And that's why you need all that support. You know, I mean, when you're getting sober from drugs and alcohol or sex addiction or whatever it is, you're in so much pain. You have to reach out for support, especially when you're at that rock bottom, you're by yourself, you're in all of that shame and misery. You got to reach out. The thing is, if you think about rock bottoms, it's choosing to do the same thing over again knowing that the result's going to be bad. And so that's what I was saying. When my first sponsor said to me, Greg plus drugs and alcohol equals jail, right? I just knew that that next jail sentence was going to be longer and more painful. Right. You know? And so, you know, it really is, you know, it can look, I mean, boy, rock bottoms. It's such a great word because I just picture people in the fetal position, you know, hurting, nowhere to turn. They want help, but they don't know how to raise their hand, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's just so true. You know, when, unfortunately, most people, when they're coming into treatment, they're at that point where they just, their bargains with chaos just no longer pay off. Right. Yeah. And somehow they've managed to, I guess, like you said, raise their hand, you know, somehow they've managed to say, I need help or I need support or something like that. Well, you know, my partner came up with a good term especially for people that are in their 40s or 50s or 60s. They made, you know, they made some money. They have some kids in college, you know, but something went awry. You know, something went awry. Um, either they never dealt with the childhood stuff 
or, you know, they're empty nesters. They lost their identity, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what we call it is a big boy timeout or a big girl timeout. Right. And that's what somebody can get in 30 days in treatment or 90 days in treatment is, hey, we're just going to take this little section of time out of your life and you're going to get the modalities around what's really going on with you, you know? To get out of the chaos. You have to get out of your environment sometimes. Otherwise, you just can't see the change that you need to make. It's when you're caught up in the, the cycle of all of your stuff flowing around you, it can be really hard to step out of it. Yep. Yeah. What about one question I also had, you know, when we think about rock bottom, is there a way as helpers, you know, I kind of think like a lot of times in recovery, people, you know, they start getting clean and then they go back out, right? And then the statement says, well, they didn't hit their rock bottom yet. But my thought is, is like, when they come in, how do we help them get to that rock bottom? You know what I mean? Before they have to go out again and do it again. And I know we can't do that with everybody. And I know it's not black and white, but I always have this thought, can we help them create their rock bottom sooner so they don't have to suffer so much destruction? But I don't know if that's possible. I just want your thoughts on that. You know, a couple of things strike me. One is what I like to do. You remember when you were kids and there was show and tell, mm-hmm. right? What was more engaging, the show or the tell? I guess the show. <laughs> Absolutely. And so what I try to do is I try to show them. I take them to meetings right. that I know are winners. I take them to um, breath work, which I know has served me well. You know, I'm kind of a co-pilot. Right. Okay. And I'm flying along with you. Right. Right. And if you see me doing this, all of a sudden, then eventually I'm going to let you go. Right. You know, I like that. And so a good part of it is show them. You know, don't speak to them from the podium. Don't point fingers. Right. Show them. The other part is that um, it is in terms of rock bottom and showing people is, oh, I want to try this out. What if we were to incorporate the 12 steps every fourth grade in this country? Right. Get them before puberty. Get them before high school, drugs and alcohol. And all of a sudden it says, I'm powerless over blank and my life is unmanageable. So think about it from a fourth grader, which I have one right now. I'm powerless over the bully and my life is unmanageable. I'm powerless over my homework and my life is unmanageable, right? I've always thought about this, Dwayne, is if we were to get, you said this, can we get them before it happens? That would be a great tool to investigate in the school system is, hey, take all the work, right? That's the way to do it. Totally. I'm totally into that. I mean, I think our kids, you know, we don't have anything about like what you're talking about, emotion regulation, understanding emotions, how to manage that stuff. And kids kind of grow up without any of these skills. And if they have any trauma, they have no resiliency to that. And, you know, if you have no resiliency to trauma, then you're going to find a way to feel better. And most of the time, it's some kind of addiction. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I like the idea what you said about showing you know, someone who's there and they're on the fence of what road they're going to take and you show them like, look at the goodness over here. Look at recovery is not the absence of anything. It's the addition of like what you said earlier, it's addition of passion. It's addition of joy. It's such a beautiful thing. Free, you know, natural dopamines spark. Yeah. You know, you go swim in the ocean, you go run some steps, hit some weights. Right. That's natural dopamine releasing, you know? Right. And they have to give their brains time to do that. I think that's also the hard part, right? It's like our brains, we want it, but our brains don't change. They need time to change. They need to see those things. They need to do these things. They need to to investigate their spirituality. They need to, you know, work on that. And it is, it's slow recovery. 
Dwayne, think about this. When we were in our disease, one of our things is we were looking for shortcuts. Mm-hmm. You know, we were looking for the fastest way to the most money, fastest way to the prettiest girl, the fastest way to the fastest car, right? Shortcuts. That doesn't exactly change when we get in recovery. You know, we want shortcuts. Get me through these steps. You know, fix me. You know, recover me. I'm going through some stuff right now around pain. And I was talking to my wife about it. I'm like, I want it to be over. Yeah. And I got 25 years of sobriety. I want it to be over. And she reminds me that it's a process. It takes time. You know? I know. I think, you know, once we kind of have that addictive thinking or our brain is that way, it's like, that's why we have to continuously be working on ourselves. Oh, totally. Throughout all of this process, no matter how much sobriety we have, because we're constantly facing life is difficult, no matter where you are. Dwayne, one of the things that saved my ass for the last five years is I have taken our old slogan one day at a time to one hour at a time. Yeah. I literally will go, okay, kids, lunches and breakfast from seven to eight, you know, eight to nine is a meeting with my partner. Nine to 10 is a podcast with Dwayne, you know, 10 to 11 is a coaching session with Todd, you know, like, and also what happens for me is when I go into that one hour at a time, it's like a storm cloud. Eventually by about noon or two, what I can go back to one day at a time. Right. Because the storm cloud has left. I have a big saying here. I always say, we don't have bad days. We have a bad two hours. And what we do in those two hours to recalibrate, you know, whether it's prayer, meditation, a texting of a sponsor, going to a meeting, also that storm cloud will leave. But if we don't do that, what do we end up? We end up in a rock bottom. We don't go to work. The drapes are drawn. And I'm watching Jerry Springer. And if I'm watching Jerry Springer, I'm in a pretty sad state of affair. Right. That's pretty bad. That's a good sign. We watch Jerry Springer because we go, oh, my life sucks. But boy, that life sucks worse. You know? Right. <laughs> That's a good sign that you're, you need some help. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Oh, man. I appreciate you, you know, talking about all of this and coming on. If anyone's listening to this podcast and what would you want to tell them if, if you had one thing you could say to them? Yeah. So I would just say this is that for me, recovery is a lifetime process. You know, what I would ask everybody to do that has something going on is to unpack the backpack of shame. You know, whatever, if some teacher scolded you in the third grade or some coach was inappropriate with you in the seventh grade or some girl uh, stood you up for homecoming or you had a bankruptcy at 21, you know, that's shame. It's in a backpack. The longer you care, the heavier it gets and the more it weighs you down. And so if we unpack that backpack of shame sooner than later, it eventually sets you free. And so what I want to say, Dwayne, is that what I want to tell you a little bit that we do here at Startup Recovery, okay? The way we got the name was I went to my mentor at USC, who happens to be a professor in entrepreneurship, and he goes, Champion, I know you're going to start this new company, but the two things I know you know are recovery and startups. And we went like this, Startup Recovery. Right, you know? right. And so we see all of our residents and clients as sort of a startup or a turnaround. You know, they need a board of advisors. They need a pitch deck. They need a, a runway, you know, an infusion of cash, you know, but that's more value. You know, we have four cornerstones here. We do community, accountability, education, and love with every single one of our residents. We do coaching in four lanes, recovery, career, passion, and legacy. We also bring in sober mentors every Thursday night. And this is unique to any program, Dwayne. Sober mentors are people with long-term sobriety and long-term success. 
So on Thursday nights, we invite them up for dinner and a meeting. And these are people who are Oscar winners, a number one real estate agent in LA, fashion designers. And so our residents and alumni can see, hey, they were once at their rock bottom, they got sober, and they built a pretty nice life out for themselves. And so we have 59 men and 27 women who come here for fun and for free because someone did it for them. You know, and that's another thing, Dwayne. And this is why you're doing what you do. And I could not do this if I didn't give it back. Yeah, totally. I would never get it. You know, it's that ripple effect. I'm going to keep doing this because I know it's going to come back. I don't know what's going to come back at me. But I know it's going to come back. It's a good juju, you know. And so, you know, that's what I, I said. Be spiritually sound. Be sober. Be hardworking. Be diligent, you know, and be honest, rigorously honest. Those are my five principles in terms of, of how to really be, be attuned to your recovery. Right. And I think that's where when people are struggling in addiction, that's where they need the support to do it. They need to, someone to be able to show them, like you said earlier. I think that's just a great statement. We got to show them. So I appreciate that, Greg. I appreciate you coming on. Where can people find you? If they want more information, where do they go? So yeah, there's a couple of things. One is they can always email me at greg at startuprecovery.com. And it's Greg with two G's on the end, greg at startuprecovery.com. You can always check out our website which is startuprecovery.com. And then I'm on Instagram, Startup Recovery is on Instagram. And if you go to the website, also our direct phone number, if, you're in, if you or a friend are in desperate need for some help, we can certainly come up with a plan for you. But I answer all emails. I always pick up the phone. I love being of service. And this has been a great experience, Dwayne. And thank you, thank you for such an honest and true authentic way of two men, two sober guys, you know, trying to make a difference, you know? That's right. Thank you so much. I'll put all that information too on the website as well, theaddictedmind.com. And they'll be able to get that with the show notes. So they'll have all that information there as well. And Greg, once again, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Yeah. Thank you so much. And have a good Tuesday. Okay. You too. Okay, everybody. We're just adding a second part because we started talking after we cut the roll and we realized Greg didn't actually share his story and we started talking about it. And I said, look, you got to share this. So we're recording again. Greg, tell me your rock bottom story. So Dwayne, you know, like I said earlier, I'd been arrested eight times in two years. And each arrest was, you know, was, you know, I got arrested for DUI. I got arrested for bar fight. I got arrested for peeing in the streets in New Orleans. But my last two arrests were very significant. We talked about shortcuts and I wanted a shortcut in the money way. So I began dealing a large amounts of marijuana in my 20s out of San Diego and flying it to the East Coast. And one of those trips, I got busted with 50 pounds of pot. And so I get in front of the judge and he looks over my record, he goes, you're a college graduate, you went to private schools, you come from a good family, what happened? And I say these three words we've all said, I don't know. I don't know because what I can tell you is that when I was dealing, I was high, I was drunk. You know, I could not put that, because I had so much shame, that's the only way I could do that, right, is to be in my disease doing. So he says, here's what I do know, young man. If I see you in my courtroom in the next six months, I'm going to give you the five years that are hanging over your head. Okay? 18 days later, I'm in my little sports car. I've smoked two joints. I have, I'm finishing off my fifth or sixth moose head, and I'm on my way to the party of the year. Now, Dwayne, all my high school friends and all my college friends had already left me. So I don't know what party of the year I'm actually going to, you know? So I'm going to a party where I really don't know anybody. I walk in. And about 10 minutes in, a stranger walks up to me and says, hey, do you have any hello on you? And I had some bindles of, of cocaine on me. And I said, yeah, come on. I'm a people pleaser. Let's go. Go down the stairs, out the door into my car. And I began chopping up some lines. 
on my Duran Duran CD case, you know, and if I, this was a cinematic moment, I put it in front of him and he puts his San Diego police department badge in front of me. And so the next morning I woke up in jail in the fetal position and I was done. And what happened was um, this voice from the corner said, Greg, there's a better way. Greg, there's a better way. And I looked up and I, I was looking for this voice and it said, call your mother. And I don't want to call my mother. She's 60 years old. She doesn't need to hear about a guy who's facing five years in prison, you know, but I do call her. And here's what she says to me, Gregory, because that's what moms use full names, right? Gregory, I want you to go to church. I said, you want me to go to church? Because yeah, I want you to go to church. And so I got bailed out on that Sunday morning. That Sunday night, I went to a six o'clock mass and the priest says, hey, when we're done with the mass, we're going to do confessions. And we have six priests here. So you have three on this side and three on this side. Pick one and go in and, and talk to the priest. And I'm thinking it's going to be like the Godfather, where I can hide behind the veil. I walk in this room, Dwayne, and it's a man in a white cloak, with white hair, lightning blue eyes. And he says, sit down, son. And he had an Irish accent, which I can't do. And he says, tell me your sins. And I begin to tell him my sins. Hey, Father, when I uh, smoke pot, right, I show up on Christmas on December 27th. When I drink too much, I get in bar fights and hurt people. When I do cocaine, I date three women who don't know about each other. And when I do all three, I fly large amounts of marijuana to the East Coast. And he stops me and he says, hey, do you think you have a problem with drugs and alcohol? And I said, why do you say that? Because all your sins begin with drugs and alcohol. And I say to him, I say, uh, wow, you're the second man ever to tell me, to ask me that. And he goes, who was the first? I said, my stepfather who had 17 years of AA sobriety, was a World War II vet who was there on Normandy, you know, self-made man from Northwestern University, and really taught me how to tie a tie, shave my face, and open doors for women. Old school, greatest generation stuff, right? And so the priest says to me, well, what was your stepfather's name? And I said, Walt Janicki. Priest reached over, grabs my hand, and goes, I was Walt Janicki's first sponsor. Whoa, whoa. And so in that moment, I thought to myself, you better listen to what this guy tells you to do next. And so I did. He says, your sins don't belong here. They belong four blocks up at the Alano Club, and there happens to be a meeting at 730, and I think you should go. And so that day, I went to my first meeting, okay? And he gave me his phone number. And Dwayne, honest to God, his name is Father Bill Wilson. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I, next morning, I went and saw Father Bill. And he says, I want you to do three things. I want you to go to 90 meetings in 90 days, right? I want you to stop using drugs and alcohol. And I want you to take boxing lessons. Boxing lessons? He goes, yeah, because when you do the first two, you're going to have so much resentment and anger, you're going to have to put it somewhere, you know? And then as I'm leaving, he goes, hey, one last thing. What's your biggest fear? I said, my biggest fear is I don't want to go back to jail. And this is the man who said this to me. Greg, plus drugs and alcohol equals jail. Take drugs and alcohol out. And I make you this promise, young man. He'll never go back to jail. And so my sobriety dates 11-7-1994. And Dwayne, you know, they always say, keep it simple. My, my wedding anniversary is 7-11. Right. <laughs> so the two most important dates, you know, so I keep things simple. There you go. Oh, wow. That's a great story. And the thing is, Dwayne, if I were to go out, I would be slapping God in the face yeah. because of that moment in that confessional, you know? So... I'm glad you allowed me to tell that story. Um, that is my rock bottom. I was in the fetal position, and, and, and clearly in 24 hours, I was on the right path. Thanks for sharing that so much. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. 
As usual, you can find all the show notes at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 76. I will put all of Greg's information there and links to his website. So if you want to know more, just go there. Also, once again, if you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please share it with a friend or rate and review it in iTunes. Every little bit helps get the Addicted Mind more exposure and helps more people. Also, think about joining our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join. It'll be awesome to have you there as well. So I hope that you have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you on the next episode. It's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.